You're about to listen to a message of Foundation of Truth Assembly. May the word you hear bear fruit in your heart now and always. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name we worship. In Jesus' name we worship. Before we go on, I want us to take this prayer. I want you to pray for yourself. Before the word comes, I want you to pray for yourself. And say, Lord, in your agenda for these end times, Lord, do not bypass me. Do not leave me out of it. I want to be part of it. I want you to find me fit to be part of it. What you are set to do in these end times. Lord Jesus Christ, count me among those that you will entrust it into their hands. Open your mouth and begin to pray. Pray for yourself. That the Lord will number you in his army. That the Lord will not screen you out. Bible said concerning the brothers of David. God said, I have already rejected them. I have rejected Eliab. I have rejected him. He may be tall. He may be walking in Saul's army. He can't walk in my army. I have rejected him to be king. I want you to pray, Lord Jesus, don't reject me in the assignment you have for those you are recruiting for this end time work of yours. Find me fit, Lord Jesus Christ. Do not bypass me. Do not bypass me. I want to be involved. I want to be a partaker. I want to run your errands. I want to run on your behalf. In the name of Jesus, pray for yourself. As that the Lord will not bypass you. As the Lord is empowering people. As the Lord is engracing people. That the Lord will not bypass you. That the Lord will find you ready. Ready. A ready vessel. Your heart will be ready for the master's work. And your life will be ready for the master's use. In the name of Jesus Christ. In Jesus mighty name we pray. Oh Father Lord we pray. Lord Jesus as you continue to recruit people. For this end time work of yours. As you showcase your glory. As you make an outpouring of your power. All over the nations. Lord Jesus Christ do not bypass us. Lord God each one of us. And as a movement. Lord Jesus Christ. Do not bypass us. Empower us. Raise us as you are raising others. Lord God to do your work. To do what you have called us to do in this end times. To enter into the field. For this last round harvest. In the name of Jesus Christ, Lord God, we are the ones that they prayed for, that the Lord of the harvest will send laborers to the field. Lord, we will not be slothful in the business. We will be fervent in the spirit. We will be serving the Lord. In the name of Jesus. Lord, as your word comes, Lord God, let it quicken our hearts. Prepare us. Prepare us for the task ahead. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Put your hands together for Jesus. Celebrate your maker. It is not because of your power that you are here today. It is not because of your strength or your smartness that you are among the living today. Count it as God's favor upon your life to preserve you to see this day. Appreciate him. Glory to Jesus. I especially welcome you back to this week's uh, service. It's been an awesome service starting from the very beginning. And I know that the Lord has started to visit each one of us. I want you to keep your heart open. What we come here to do every Saturday is not religion. No. It is that we are putting brick upon brick, block upon block, and building ourselves up. 
building ourselves into that kind of house, that kind of living stone house that will be representative of the things that God is doing. I will be a custodian of the move of God in our generation. Brethren, I tell you, uh, whether we like it or not, something is happening. The atmosphere is changing. God is recruiting people. God is empowering people. He is sending people. And it is our duty to prepare for Jesus an army that will be ready for his use to execute his will upon the earth. Bible says, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. That kingdom is in us. We are part of that kingdom. We are ambassadors of that kingdom. We are carrying members of the citizenship of heaven. We have the passport of Zion. So our duty is to get ourselves ready. Keep ourselves fit. And that is why we have started this series called Keeping Faith in the um, month of August. And we began um, in the first week to address the, um, the topic called On a Diet. And we, we did cover a number of things. I encourage you to go to our message and pick it up. Um, last week, we went to the gym. It was time for gym. Unfortunately, the exercise got too interesting. We didn't do some of the exercises we were supposed to do at the gym. But we covered a few things. We covered two out of four things that we needed to cover. <coughs> Excuse me. We went to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. Um, from verse 12 to 15 I recall that we talked about dress code the importance of dress code uh, if you are going to the gym you have to dress for the gym dressing for the gym and dressing for church or dressing for the boardroom or dressing for the field track and field they're not the same not, not at all not at all so we went from the book of Colossians chapter 3 from verse 12 and read that therefore as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, that is, wear tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another. These are spiritual exercises. Mercy is a spiritual exercise. Kindness is a spiritual exercise. There are times you don't feel like it. There are times it doesn't make sense. People have hurt you, and you are asked to put on kindness. You are asked to put on humility. You know that you are the best in town. You are the best around. You qualify for everything. And yet you have to keep your mouth shut. Because you have to put on humility. That's part of spiritual exercise. It goes on to say meekness. Long suffering. This one is serious. Long suffering. Suffering is bad enough. But suffering long is worse. But it's part of a spiritual exercise. It says bearing with one another. It's different from forgiveness. And that's why it says in verse 13, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. Some of us don't even get the difference between those two elements. Bearing with one another means that this person will do this thing again and again. They will apologize. But they will do it again and again to you. It is their nature. It is their nature. That's how they are. Even though they feel bad about it, they will do it again. So it says what you need to exercise here is not forgiveness, but forbearance. Otherwise, you will make yourself very unhappy because you will start counting how many times you need to forgive. No, you are using the wrong exercise. I told us last week that there are different exercises for different purposes. When you do planks, when you do push-ups, you do it for different purposes. When you lift weights, you do it for a different purpose. When you are trying to build stamina or you are trying to build biceps, 
the exercises you do may not necessarily be the same. So the exercise called forbearance is different from the exercise called forgiveness. To exercise forbearance means that you will make an advanced provision for this person to offend you again and again. They are sincere, they are genuine, they don't intend to hurt you. But their nature has something that will not change. It is their nature. They will do it to you again and again. They are not evil people. It is natural to them. So you need to make provision to allow them to do those things again and again. Forgiveness is what we are more familiar with and by no means less difficult than forbearance. Forgiveness means you are being hurt and then you need to take a decision to let it go. Whether or not the offender has come to you to apologize. Whether or not they are even admitting they are wrong. You have a duty as a Christian to exercise forgiveness. It is an exercise unto godliness. Why? God forgave us. The Bible says why we were yet sinners. Christ died for us. Not when we came and confessed our sins and renounced them. No. While we were yet sinners, he died for us. He forgave us. He blotted out our iniquity with his blood. Not because we deserve it. Not because we apologized. But because of who he is. And the Bible then goes on to say. In the same book of Colossians chapter 3 verse 12 and it says if anyone has a complaint against another even as christ forgave you you also must do if i start forgiveness today we will not talk about the topic so i'm just going to stop here but it's saying your forgiveness is not what we were taught as forgiveness forgiveness and don't forget no it says forgive the way christ forgave you go and check how christ forgave he never imputes that unrighteousness back to us when he forgives us Mercy Lord, help us to do things the way you do them. Verse 14 says, But above all this is, put on love. That is, you have won the singlet of holiness, of tenderness, of kindness. You have won the t-shirt of meekness and love suffering. You have put on the jacket of forbearance and forgiving one another. He said, last, last, put the tie of love. Tie everything together. On top of everything that you have won, wear love. He said, but above all this is put on love, which is the bond of perfection. So we're saying there's a dress code for exercise unto godliness. Just like there is dress code for exercising in the gym. We talked about some other things. We talked about other kinds of exercises in the book of 1 Timothy chapter 4 verse 12. We talked about love of purity. We talked about um, faith. We talked about all kinds of other um, spiritual exercises that we need to embark on to build ourselves up. Of course, we talked about prayer. That uh, you engage in prayer. We mentioned Jude 20. We mentioned 1 Corinthians 14 40. Other things that we're not able to mention about the gym uh, is that when you go to the gym, you also sweat. As you are doing those exercises, some things are coming out from your body. Some things are leaving your body. Some things are leaving your system. Some toxic materials are leaving you. Some appetites are leaving you. Some attitudes are leaving you. Anxiety is leaving you. As you practice some of the spiritual exercises. You are being changed. As the instructor of the gym directs you to do more. You plan to do 10 push-ups. The instructor says do 10 more. Do 20 more. And you begin to sweat. And you begin to break the sweat. Something is leaving your life. 
Something is changing. It might not change immediately while you are at the gym. But over time, if you sustain that discipline, over time you see changes. Transformation happens in your life. As you pray, transformation happens. I was teaching somewhere, um, I think last week or thereabouts, I was teaching somewhere and um, we're just talking about prayer and um, why we pray when we pray what we do I said we do a number of things but one of the things we do apart from legislation where we will make declarations apart from intercession apart from carrying the bodies of heaven when we pray when we pray something happens to us we get transformed you pray and become a different grade of you. You are upgraded in the place of prayer. As you pray, not because you are asking God for, for a car, for a job, for a wife, for a husband, for visa, for promotion, for whatever. You are just communing with the Father. You are just spending time in His presence. You are just standing there, speaking in the Holy Ghost, or praying in your understanding. You are just there. You are not looking at your time. You are just looking at the intimacy. You are just there. You are not bored about His presence. Over time, you will see something begins to change in your life. Something begins to change. You become a different you. You become a more discerning you. You become a wiser you. You become a more gentle you. You become a more forgiving you. You become a more tolerant you. You become a better you. You are transformed. Oh yes, those spiritual exercises are painful. You stand in the place of prayer is painful. You sit for long studying the word of God is painful. But all these things are benefit to transform you. The word of his grace able to build you up and give you an inheritance among those who are sanctified. It changes you if you stay in the discipline. If you don't mind the pain. If you stay in the place of prayer. The Bible speaking in the book of Luke chapter 9 talked about Jesus. He had gone to pray and Peter and James and John went to meet him and the Bible says the visage of his face was transformed. It became as white as snow. His face changed. He had been so long in the place of communion with the Father. Something had happened to his face. Or is it uh, Moses? In the book of Exodus chapter 34. The Bible said he had gone up to the mountain. He had spent time with God. He was communing with God. He wasn't eating. He was there on the mountain. He wasn't rushing anywhere. He wasn't saying, oh, Pastor Jenkins is preaching long. I just want to run away. No, no, no. He sat there in the place of communion. He was downloading and writing on the tablets of heaven. And he was decoding the ordinances of the Lord Most High. And he was spending them down. The Bible said when he came down, even he did not know something had happened. But he observed that people were running away from him he had to cover his own face with a veil permit me to read this I have a leading to just go into it Exodus chapter 34 Exodus chapter 34 verse 29 Bible says now it was so when Moses came down from Mount Sinai and the two tablets of the testimony were in Moses' hand. When he came down from the mountain, that Moses did not know that the skin of his face shone while he talked with them. So when Aaron and all the children of Israel saw Moses, behold, the skin of his face shone, they were afraid to come near him. Then Moses called to them, and Aaron and all the rulers of the congregation returned to him. And Moses talked to them. Afterward, all the children of Israel came near, and he gave them as a commandment all that the Lord had spoken with him on Mount Sinai. And when Moses had finished speaking with them, he put on a veil on his face. 
Something had happened to him. Even he did not know it. You may not know it, but something is changing about you. Over time, if you stay there long enough, those that you converse with, those that you relate with, those that you work with, those with whom you live in a house, those with whom you do business, we know that you are being with the Lord. That of a truth you are being with the Lord. Acts chapter 4 verse 13. The Bible says they knew these men were unlearned. They had not gone to the university. He said, but the way they are talking, the boldness that they have. He said, definitely these guys have been with the Lord. When we do these spiritual exercises in spirit and in truth, something changes in our lives. We are transformed. Our lives are changed. Our lives are changed. But we don't have all the time to dwell on last week. So I'm just going to move on. We need to go to what we have today. And the topic for today is check your balance. Check your balance. You know, we started with on a diet. You've been on this diet program. I remember when my wife was on one of those diet programs. And um, every morning, she would have to step on the scale and take a picture and upload it to the group. So that the instructor there can see, oh... On day one, you are so-so-so kilograms. On day seven, you should be on so-so-so kilograms. We expect that mass to be reducing as you continue on that diet. Unfortunately, some people are doing diet, they are increasing weight. So, dieting and weighing on the balance, they go together. If you're doing those exercises to lose your weight, you've been skipping, you've been jumping, you've been running on that treadmill, you want to lose some, some calories, you want to burn some fat, at some point, you need to get on the scale to check, am I making progress or I'm just wasting time? Am I making progress or I'm just making noise? So, today we want to get on that balance and examine ourselves and check if indeed we are making progress. I'm going to take my text for today from the book of Second Corinthians chapter 13. Second Corinthians chapter 13, I'm going to read only verse 5. Verse 5 of the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 13. I believe you are there now. If you are there, please join me as I read. The Bible says, test yourselves. I'm reading the common English version, CEV. Test yourselves and find out if you are true to your faith. Test yourself to check what? If you are true to your faith. It says, if you pass the test, you will discover that Christ is living in you. That is, if you are in the faith, it then means that Christ is living inside of you. Christ dwells in you. Not only that you dwell in Christ, but Christ dwells in you. Are you with me? He says, but if Christ isn't living in you, you are failed. Ah, this is very tough. Let me read it in... Um, uh, New King James Version. New King James Version, 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5. It says, Examine yourselves as to whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you? Unless indeed you are disqualified. Sometimes when I read my Bible and I see some words, I get worried. He's saying, these guys I'm writing to, you are in the Corinthian church. He said, but for some reason, it could be 
that you are not in the faith. It could be that you are not in Christ. So you need to do something called self-examination. Just like those who were back on a fitness program. You know, they desire to lose weight. You know, they desire to trim up. They frequently get on the scale to check. So today I'm 67 kilograms. And I'm on this dieting program. And I've done two weeks on this dieting program. I've been doing my intermittent fasting. By the time I'm checking myself today, I need to convince myself. Am I making progress or am I retrogressing? Am I adding weight or am I losing weight? I need to climb that scale. I must be bold enough to examine myself. I know we don't like this part. Nobody likes to examine themselves. Nobody likes to critique themselves. He said, no, 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 no. It's a negative thing to be, you know, trying to mark my own scripts. I think I'm doing fine. I'm doing well. No. How do you know you are doing well? You need to have yourself placed on that scale and check the parameters. Check the parameters. You know, in modern days now, when you go to the hospital to check your vitals, it's not just the weights they check. They ask you to climb that scale. There's, there's a meter there that checks your height. So the moment you are stepping on that scale, checking your mass, something else is checking your height, and they are computing your PMI. So it's not enough that, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm getting uh, fatter. They need to also check, or I'm getting leaner. They need to check. With respect to your height, are you described as obese, or are you described as extremely obese? Or are you described as being in the normal weight range? We don't want to check. It's easy for us to check another person's BMI. To say, oh, you are not living well. Oh, you are not healthy. It's easy to check. Oh, this person is not a Christian. See the music they are uploading. See the thing they are posting on their status. Wait, wait, bros, sis, calm down. Can you turn the searchlight on yourself? How are you doing? In this Christian journey that you have embarked on. How are you doing? This fitness journey you have embarked on. You are being on the diet. You are trying to avoid some things. You are starting to stay away from some late night dinner. You are trying to stay away from that your favorite fizzy drink. But wait a minute. Can you get on this scale? Can you check where you are? Can you determine whether or not you are in the faith? Why? There are many who are in church, but they are not in the faith. Don't mix those two things. Don't make that mistake. The church that the apostle wrote this to, the Corinthian church, the Bible said, in that church, there were many things that were not going right. People were not living right in that church, that same church. Let's go to um, 1 Corinthians. Let's go to 1 Corinthians. The beginning of the letters. You know, this the book of First Corinthians and Second Corinthians to a large extent, but First Corinthians in particular was born out out of questions, questions that members of the Corinthian church were asking Apostle Paul, who was their father in the Lord, or issues that were happening in the Corinthian church that Apostle Paul, their father in the Lord, wanted to address, but he couldn't come in person, so he wrote it in a letter. To address those issues that needed to be addressed. And to respond to some of the questions that have been sent to him. Sir, 
this and this is happening what is the right thing to do or based on the report he was getting about the health of that church he wrote this letter to say you cannot do this and that let's look at a few things that were not going right in that church if you go to first corinthians chapter 3 starts from verse 1 the bible says and i that's paul writing and i brethren could not speak to you as to spiritual people but as to carnal he says see you are in the church listen to me brethren he said you are in the church you're supposed to be christians you're supposed to be believers not deceivers you are supposed to live the kind of life that makes you look christ-like christian like christ he said but i can't talk to you like spiritual people he said you are still babies you are babies although you are saved he said the way you behave you are behaving like those that are not yet saved you are still being so much influenced by worldly values and worldly ways of thinking your mind is still so much in the world your body is in the church but your mind has not yet been transformed you are just coming to church you are still carnal he said because you are babes in Christ, even though you are in Christ, you are babes He's in verse 2, he said, I fed you with milk, and not with solid food for until now, you were not able to re- receive it, and even now, self, you are still not able, I have deeper things to teach you I have greater things to bring you to, there are mysteries in the kingdom, there are empowerments that we want to bring to you, he said, but I can't bring it because you guys are babies if i teach you those things it will kill you said i can't do it you are babes oh aren't you babes he said well because you are still canna why he said look at the signs he said for where there are envy strife divisions among you are you not canal i'm behaving like men for when one says i am of paul and another says i am of apollos are you not canal Say you people are busy comparing men of God. You are saying this pastor preaches better than that one. This singer sings better than this one. You say, why are you doing that? Who is Paul? Who is Apollos? Who is Dulce? Who is Nathaniel Bassi? Are they not singing for the same Jesus? Are they not doing the same work? Why are you trying to cause confusion? Why are you trying to go and say, oh, who is trending now? Who is doing more views? Who, who is having more, more downloads? Who is being streamed more on Spotify? Does that matter? Should that matter? Is that not a kind of mindset? So he said, this church was a kind of church. They were in church, but they are not yet behaving like people who are in Christ. Say there are factions among you. We we support Pastor Jenkins. No, we we don't support him. We support some somebody else. He said, You are being factional, you are being carnal. That's not how Christianity should work. If you go to chapter 5 of the same book of First Corinthians, if you read from verse 1, the Bible says. Paul the apostle says it is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you and such sexual immorality as is not even named among the Gentiles that a man has his father's wife Abba. Abba. He said even though you guys are in church you are in the Corinthian church he said the kind of sexual immorality that is happening among you he said even unbelievers they are learning from you a man sleeping with his father's wife in the Corinthian church. See, that 
that is not right you can't do that of course he went on and blasted the person and you know rebuked the church rebuked that kind of behavior how can you be doing something like that you are supposed to be christians you are supposed to be in christ that behavior is inconsistent with the life of christ sexual immorality is inconsistent with the life of christ so he wrote to them examine yourself examine yourself he said this church this corinthian church you people you keep dragging yourselves to court if you go to chapter 6 chapter 6 if you start from verse 5 i don't have time to go by he said you keep dragging yourself to to court brother as offended brother instead of you guys to call yourself and settle it if you can't settle it call a third party in the church to help you settle it if the third party cannot settle it bring it to the elders in the church they will settle it for you why will you drag your brother to court on top of what so he's saying you guys are in church but your life is not showing that you are in church you are not different from every other person. You are living in the city of Corinth. Everybody is perverse, sexually speaking. In fact, the Bible said they had temple prostitutes in that era. They had male and female prostitutes in the temple. Sex was a part of their worship of their idols. And he said, you are bringing that to church. You can't do that. You can't do that in Christ. You are a new creation. All things have passed away. All things have become new. Why are you smuggling the old stuff into your new life? It's not compatible. So that's why in this second Corinthians chapter 13 verse 5, he was not challenging. He said, examine yourselves. Check that you are still in faith. Check. You know, he used two words. He said, examine yourself. If you are still in the faith. He now said, test yourself. If Christ is in you, test don't stop at the level of um, visual examination. You know, when you go to the hospital, for instance, to, you know, go see a doctor, you, you stop at the nurse's uh, station, uh, they take your vitals and all that, and then they examine you, and you walk into the um, doctor's consulting room, he says, okay, lie on the bed, and you know, you know the way they do it, they staring at the sky, and you know, and they, they start checking you, check your eyes, check your hands, check, check whatever they are checking. Physical examination. So, they do a physical examination to see if there are things that are observable physically. And there is a place for that. You know, we check what, for a Christian, so, am, am I in faith? And so I check, what, what do I do? You know, I attend service. Great. Do I attend service? Yes. Everybody says I attend service. Physical examination. Oh, I pay my tithe. I have a tithe payers number. I have a card. It's good. It's great to pay your tithe. Well, it's physical. It's physical. It's physical. When we see you paying your tithe, we don't know what's in your heart. We know that you're paying your tithe. You know, different people do different things for different purposes. Some attend service not because they love Jesus. It's because they are looking for some thing or they are looking for somebody they attend a particular church because they feel oh this so so person this dg is, is attending that church and much as i would love to see him he's a busy man i can't see him at his office the, the security the protocol will not let him see me but i can catch him in church so after service i just quickly go and greet him as he's coming down from you know uh, the altar or as he's about to enter his car i can go and greet him and say brother good afternoon sir my name is so so person blah blah you know people do what they do for different reasons they attend church some attend church to go and look for babes oh yeah you don't know yes some go look for a guy in church it's not jesus they weren't looking for they were looking for a life partner 
So there are different reasons we do different things. So don't be moved by physical examination. Oh, I dress well. You're dressing well. There's a reason you're dressing well. Not because you believe in dressing well, because you dress well on Sunday. And Monday to Saturday, you don't dress well. So it's not part of your life. It's something you are doing. It's not something that is inside of you. Oh, I don't club. I don't womanize. I don't steal. I don't do this. There may be other reasons. Physically speaking, we observe all those things. But the Bible is saying, don't stop at the physical examination. After you examine yourself, it's a test, test, test. As a student of chemistry back in the day, I remember then, you know, we'd do some tests to just uh, see um, what kind of gas uh, is being uh, emitted from, from a reagent when you mix this reagent with that reagent and some gas comes out. Oh, is it an acidic gas? Is it uh, an alkaline gas? You know, you do some tests to just check. But if you want to know which gas in particular, is it H2S? Is it CO2? Which gas in particular, is it HCl? There are specific confirmatory tests. What tests you need to do to confirm which particular acidic gas is coming out? So it is in the faith. As you are doing these exercises, oh, they say, let us pray, you are praying. You are doing it. Why are you doing it? Is it bringing results? Is it making you better? Are you developing your intimacy with Christ by doing it? Or you are doing it because everybody else is doing it? Deceiving yourself. They said, it's time to fast. So you do you fast. Is it bringing results? Is it translating to you and Christ becoming intertwined? Does it show that Christ is in you? That's what we want to do. So we're going to look at a number of, a number of tests. We're going to carry out a number of tests on ourselves today. To see, am I in the faith? Is Christ still living in me? I want us to get on that scale today. Check that balance. Climb that balance. Because uh, if we don't climb it, somebody else is checking the reading. Jesus is checking the reading. Let's go to the, for, the first test. What test do we need to take first? To know as a confirmation if Christ is in us and if we are still in the faith. Go with me to the book of Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. I'm going to read verse 14. Very well known verse. Popular. Romans chapter 8 verse 14. Let's read what the Bible says. The Bible says in verse 14. For as many. Please, I want you to pay attention. That's why I'm reading it. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God. This are the sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit, verse 16 is my emphasis, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. What is the first 
sign you will see when you test whether or not you are in Christ is this inner witness the first sign the first confirmatory test is inner witness this one is tricky because if you deceive everybody else I hope you are not trying to deceive yourself everybody may see you in church on Sunday in fact they may see you in in wisdom word service they may see you midweek service they may see you in Sunday school you can fool all of us you can deceive all of us join together but make sure you, you don't deceive yourself the Bible says how you know that Christ dwells in you he said number one does the Holy Spirit lead you or you are always figuring things out on your own can you think of can you recall the Holy Spirit actively giving you instruction giving you direction you actively relying on him to give you guidance to show you what to do to tell you what to say to tell you when to keep your mouth shut even though you have something to say even though you, you have a right to defend yourself even though you have a contribution to make to project you to propel you to present you better but it says quiet silence and you shut your mouth it says then Christ dwells on you he dwells on you if that happens to you then Christ dwells on you hopefully we can take a few more tests my desire is to take at least up to three there are many other tests but at least up to three tests today within the time I have left to know if Christ dwells in you number one confirmatory test is this inner witness do you have a real relationship with God or is God just some cosmic explanation for anything you cannot explain or is God a real person to you is spirit dwelling in you does it feel real to you do you have conversations do you hear him speak? Do you speak to him consciously? Are you sure he's present? Is there a witness in your spirit saying, You're a child of God? You're a child of God? Or you're never sure? So every time we are preaching and we make another auto call, you just come out because you're not sure. You don't know. There's no assurance. If there's no assurance, most likely you're right. Christ doesn't dwell in you. Yes, you may be in church, but you are not in Christ. If every time we call for altar call, something within you is saying, I'm not sure my name is in the book of life. And I just want to be sure, I better go out now. I better go out. If that's how you feel, you are most likely right. It might be that indeed, you have not yet come into that place where Christ is formed in you. Oh yes, we see you pray. We see you exert a lot of energy. We see you yell when we say pray. When we say read the word, we see you carry your Bible. When we say fast, we see you fast. But you're doing religion. Bros, sis. You're doing religion. Until Christ be formed in you, you're doing religion. Until spirit has a home in you, you are doing religion. It's just gymnastics. Nothing more than that. 
going to the gym of the spirit and not having an encounter with the spirit of God, not having an encounter with Jesus, is exercise in futility. Paying the tithes, volunteering to serve, having not met the master himself, and his spirit not dwelling in you is a waste of time. Is exercise in futility. First John chapter 3 from verse 1. It says, Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called children of God. Therefore, the world does not know us, because it did not know him. Beloved, now are we the children of God. And it has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. This is the motivation for our life of purity. This is the motivation for our giving sacrificially. This is the, the motivation behind what we do for the kingdom. This is the motivation. Don't just exercise for the sake of exercise. Get on the balance. Check yourself. Is Christ living in me? Do I have a witness in my spirit that Christ lives in me? You know, the Ephesian church, in the book of Revelation chapter 2, if you go from, say, verse, uh, verse 1, run to verse 5, Jesus Christ speaking to the angel of the church, that is the pastor of the church, of the Ephesian church, he said, I know your works. That you do this, you do this, you do this, you do that. He said, but I have this against you. You have left your first love. You are just doing things because others are doing it. You have lost the meaning of your relationship, of your fellowship with him. You have lost it. He says, repent and restore yourself back to the former works. And do the former works. Do it like you mean it. Let it be real to you. So the first test is that inner witness that Christ lives in you. The second test that Christ lives in you is eventual transformation. Gradual, progressive transformation. Galatians chapter 5. Popular scripture. See. You cannot and I'm, I'm saying this very slowly and very carefully but believe me I mean it with every every iota of me you cannot claim that Christ is in you genuinely please hear me out genuinely and he has been in you for some time and your life is not reflecting the character of Christ it's not possible. No. It's not possible. Those natural, worldly, and carnal tendencies, over time, they are expected to gradually give way. As your journey of spiritual maturity progresses, they should give way. We should see a different you. Imagine, day after day, as it grows inside of you, as he is inside of you, you cannot claim that he is in you and all that we see in you 
are these Galatians chapter 5 verse 19 attributes. It is not possible. Something is wrong. Something is definitely wrong. You cannot be in an oven that is powered and you are not getting hot. It is not possible. I put that plate of food in the microwave and I put five minutes on it and I push the button and it starts to spin on that dish and it stays there for five minutes and I bring out that dish and it is still as cold as I put it. That dish was never in the, in the microwave oven. If it was in an oven, it was in the fake oven. It was not in a plugged oven. I know many of us have been in some ovens that there is no fire. We have been in a religious organization, in a religious setting, in a religious atmosphere. Maybe we are even born there. Maybe we have names that show that we are born there. Oh, on the eighth day, they gave you a Christian name. It is different from Christ living in you. If Christ lives in you, your life must be transformed. Your life must be changed. It cannot continue to exhibit the behaviors of the world. Bible says in book of Galatians chapter 5 verse 19. It says, see, the works of the flesh, he said they are made manifest. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousy, outbursts, dissensions, wrath, selfish ambitions, heresies, envy, murder, drunkenness, revelries, and the like. He said, if these are the things that characterize your life, Christ is not formed in you. The character of Christ is not shown in you. He is not in you. Don't be deceived. See, if Christ is in you, we must see the change in your character. You were impatient before. You came to Christ. Eh? He said, all things have become new. You are still impatient. And you say, this is how I am. This is my nature. This is my whatever. Is my temperament. It's not Christ's temperament. If it is Christ that is running your operating system, something should change about the programs you are running. Something should change about your appetite, about your screensaver. Something should change about your playlist. Something should change about where you hang out. Something should change about what you consider funny. Something must change if Christ lives in you. The things you were doing in the world before you came to know Jesus. You are still doing exactly the same things. Five years after you've come to Christ. Ten years after you've come to Christ. Nothing has changed. He's not living in you. Hebrews chapter 5 verse 12 to 13. He said by the time that you ought to have become teachers. You still need someone to come and be teaching you the elementary things of the faith. You've been a Christian. But yet... You have, see, 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 there's, there's, is a dangerous, dangerous use of word in this Hebrews chapter 5. Let me read it, please. It says, for though by this time, you ought to be teachers, by reason of how long you have been around faith, how long you have been around Christians, how long you have been in the Christian circle, you ought to have become teachers. That when people come to you, oh, I'm newly born again, brother Titus, please. What do I need to do? You don't need to say, 
oh wait 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 let me go and call pastor jenkins to come and explain to you he said you brother titus you've been in the faith for five years you should be able to tell that person oh after you have given your life to christ now that you are born again these are the things you now need to do to nurture your spirit you need to be reading your bible you need to be coming to church to have fellowship you need to fellowship with the brethren because there's benefit in community living you need to engage in prayer you need to talk to your father you need to read the word that is the milk for newborn baby you need to do this and that and you don't know that brother titus you cannot tell that new convert you see i doubt i doubt your growth it's like you are stunted. I doubt your growth. Maybe Christ is truly not in you. Maybe you are just using the paraphernalia of the office of believers. You are not yet a believer. You are a deceiver. Something must change. Something must change. The more you yield yourself to the Holy Ghost, something must change about your life. We must begin to see a new version of you. The Spirit must consciously express Himself through you as you walk with Him. Yes. That's the secret. How will it begin to happen? How will that change begin to happen? The benefit of this diet, the benefit of this going to gym, how will you see it? The answer is walking by the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit. See, if you go to verse 16 of that uh, Galatians 5, it says, I say then, walk in the Spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. You see, this, let, let me be very careful here. When it says walk in the Spirit, it is a float in the Spirit. It is a um, be pretending to to be in the spirit. He said, "No, let your life, your daily movement, let it show that you are a Christian. Yes, let it show that you are Christian. The things that influence your life, let it be the things that come from the Holy Spirit. And I know at least this little experience of working with the Holy Ghost, He will not lead you to go and sin. No, He never does that." He never will lead you to go and do something that contradicts scriptures. He will not do that. He is the author of scripture. The Bible says that he inspired people who wrote this scripture. So he will not go against what he inspired. It is not possible. They walk by the Spirit. That is, surrender yourself to the leading of the Spirit. We read earlier. Those who are led by the Spirit. He said, they are the sons of God. He said, walk in the Spirit. And you will not fulfill the desires of the flesh. As you do this, you will see that the attributes that the Bible now begins to talk about from verse 22. It says, for the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, godliness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. They will not begin to show your life. Because you are walking in the Spirit. So, it's not a function of being in the church or being born in a Christian family. These fruits... Are they showing in your life? Is there proof of transformation? Those who knew you before you were in Christ and those who know you now that you've been in Christ three years, four years, five years, can they see a difference? Can they see a different you? My time is running out. I'll take one more. Number three, confirmatory test is that your life must be aligned to the kingdom. Kingdom life must be your life. If Christ lives in you, why? That was what Christ came to live and die for. For the kingdom. The Bible says the moment he came out, out of the wilderness, and he came back to preach, he said he began to preach, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Three and a half years he did not rest. He was going from place to place, 
proclaiming the good news of the kingdom preaching the kingdom so if Christ lives in you Christ will continue to do what he has always been doing going about the business of the kingdom Matthew chapter 6 verse 10 it says thy kingdom come thy will be done this is the consuming passion of Jesus Christ so if he lives in you this will be your passion kingdom not church kingdom not ministry kingdom not working for Jesus but kingdom being like Jesus doing the things that Jesus will do Romans chapter 8 let me go back to that Romans chapter 8 if Christ truly dwells in you he will walk through you to express kingdom values kingdom priorities kingdom realities to the extent of your alignment of course the more you allow him the more he will reveal himself and his mandate and his mission go to verse 9 of uh, the book of Romans chapter um, chapter 8 if I start from um, verse 9 Bible says but you are not in the flesh but in the spirit if indeed the spirit of God dwells in you now if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ he is not is if you don't have the spirit of God he says you don't belong to Jesus no you don't and if Christ is in you the body is dead because of sin but the spirit is life because of righteousness but if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you he who raised Christ from the dead we also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you that is the realities of Christ will be your realities Jesus Christ I don't know when he was admitted in hospital that will be your reality. Jesus Christ, I don't know where he was stranded. That will be your reality. Jesus Christ, I don't know when he went to do ministration and there was no presence of God to do what the presence of God does. That will be your reality. Jesus Christ, as he goes to witness him, he says, signs will be following. These signs shall follow those who believe. Mark chapter 16. These signs shall follow those who believe. He said, in my name shall they cast out devils. This will be your realities because they are part of the things that follow those who believe. He said they will speak with new tongues. He said they will lay their hands, they will lay their hands on serpents. He said they will take up serpents. His Bible says, if they take anything deadly, he shall by no means hurt them. They will lay their hands on the sick, they will recover. Kingdom life will be expressed in you if Christ lives in you. See, don't get me wrong. Some of these things we think that. Is reserved for pastors. You are wrong. Many of these things in scriptures is open to every believer, everyone, to the degree of your alignment. The revelations that are in scriptures, the revelation that will usher us into these realities, they are all in scriptures. Of course, they are locked, and that is why God has sent us to unlock them, to open our eyes to see them. But these realities are for all of God's children. We can experience that way, that life of God. If the Holy Spirit indeed dwells in us, if Christ dwells in us, if Christ truly lives in us, the life of God must be seen in us. It cannot be hidden. The life of Christ, it cannot be hidden. It must be seen in us. 
As I wrap up, I go to the book of Second Peter. I love this scripture and I read it a lot. I'm sure I've read it this month already during New Wine. But please, pardon me, I'm going to read it again. I love it so much. Second Peter chapter 1. I'm going to read verse 2 to verse 4. It says, Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. As his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Not some things. All things that pertain to life and godliness. Through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. By which we have been given exceedingly great and precious promises. That through this you may be partakers of the divine nature having escaped the corruption that is in the world through loss he said we are partakers of God's divine nature that is everything that can be found in God is embedded in us we have this privileged access because Christ dwells in us so when he was speaking in that second Corinthians chapter 13 verse 5 he says test yourself are you sure Christ lives in you examine yourself are you sure you are still in the faith? Or you are faking it? Are you still in the faith? Or you are forming it? Examine yourself. Check yourself. Don't get carried away by these uh, religious activities. Oh, they say let us pray. I'm praying. No. Why are you praying? How are you praying? To whom are you praying? you have a relationship with whom you are praying? Don't do exercise in futility don't diet in vain is Christ living in you or are you faking it the Bible says behold I stand at the door and knock if anyone will hear my voice and open he said I will come into him with my father we will come and dine with him don't feel bad if these experiences we're talking about about the Christ life about the life of God is not your experience, don't feel bad today is another day to open your heart to him don't feel like you are big in his presence, no it's a wrong attitude humble yourself and say Lord Jesus I've heard today that if indeed I'm in you and you are in me I must have an inner witness. The spirit of God inside of me must be bearing witness with me that I'm a child of God. My life must also be showing transformation. The things that I used to struggle with, I should be outgrowing them now because I'm growing. Because Christ in me is growing because I'm walking in the spirit. I should be changing, but I'm not yet seeing changes. And I should be living kingdom life. I should be walking in power. I should be walking in authority. I should be walking in divine enablement. The grace of God should be seen in me. But it's not yet seen as much as it should be. You can start today and say, Lord Jesus, I open my heart to you. I don't want to fake religion anymore. I want to get real with you. I want my relationship with you to be real. I don't want to see you as a concept. The concept of God. No. I want to know you in person. I want to have an encounter with you. Do you want to just start to talk to Jesus? And say, Lord Jesus, I want to experience you. 
I want to encounter you. I've heard that these things are possible. Let them become my reality. Let them become my reality. I want to see Zion. I want to see that city of gold. I want to be carried in the spirit. John speaking. He said, even though they banished me to the island of Patmos. He said, on the day of the Lord, I was in the spirit. He said, I was carried away in the spirit. I was taken to see the future. He saw many thousands of years ahead of him. He saw it because he was in the spirit. Are you getting charged to walk in the spirit? Begin to pray for yourself. Pray for yourself. Pray for yourself. Pray for yourself. Ask that you will not run this Christian journey in, in vain. That you will not just be going to church. That your, your exercises, your spiritual exercises will count towards something. They will indeed build you up. They will indeed give you an inheritance among those who are sanctified. That indeed your life will be built up. Built up. Your biceps in the spirit will be growing. Your, your six pack in the, in the spirit will be growing. You will develop stamina in the spirit to carry the bodies of heaven. You will dis- discover your purpose. You will walk in your gifting. Your graces will be activated. Ask the Lord. We enable you to make these things real. Ask the Lord Jesus. will help you to make it real. That you will not fake it. That you will not fake it any longer. After a minute more to pray. After a minute more to pray. That you will not run in vain. That this race you are making. This running you are running on the treadmill in the heavens. That it will not be in vain. That you will not walk yourself out of faith. That you will stay in faith. That you will stay in Christ. That Christ will stay in you. That you continue on fellowship with Christ. And that his truth will show forth through you. In the name of Jesus Christ. Begin to bring your prayer to a close. As I pray with you now. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the privilege of your word today. And with my brethren, we ask today, Lord Jesus, don't allow us to run in vain. In the name of Jesus Christ, these spiritual exercises we do, Lord, we want them to account for something in our lives. We want it to count towards building our relationship with you. In the name of Jesus, as we pray, as we commune, it will not be a mechanical activity. It will be a genuine, vital connection with heaven. In the name of Jesus, it will be a channel through which we communicate with you. And you communicate with us. It will be a channel through which our lives are transformed. In the name of Jesus Christ, like the visage of Moses was transformed. Like the visage of Stephen was transformed. Like the visage of Jesus himself was transformed. As we pray, something will happen to our spirit man. In the name of Jesus, our spirit man will evolve. In the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Father, Lord. Lord God, we pray for grace to keep working to the very end. We will not quit. Even though these exercises may be painful, we will not quit. In the name of Jesus Christ. And the promise you have made for those who finish. You said I will give you access to eat of the tree of life that is in the midst of the paradise of God. Lord Jesus Christ, we pray that we will cross that finish line. And have access to this privileged, privileged fruit of the tree of life. In the name of Jesus Christ. Blessed be your holy name Lord. Lord in the rest of today's service we pray that you will take control. Have your will Lord and be glorified. In Jesus much less name we are prayed put your hands together for jesus and please listen to the announcements that we come after by the grace of god next week we're going to wrap up this series and we'll go to the final topic in the series god wants you to be fit for his use we've got to be fit for the master's use see you next week by his grace put your hands together for jesus thank you for listening 
To get copies of our messages, kindly visit our ministry material store and also worship with us at Foundation of Truth Assembly Headquarters on 40 Stroke 42 Imam Dowder Street off Eric Moore, Lagos. God bless you.